0: Turn in the Old Testament to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. A great story. I love this story. It's a wonderful story about kindness. Tonight we're talking about transformed by kindness. As a summary, I want you to think of these thoughts initiate kindness. Kindness transforms. We are all Meshivapheth before God. Let the kindness of God flow through us. That is our thought process for this sermon as we think about being transformed by kindness. Mark Twain said, Kindness is a language the dumb can speak, the deaf can hear, and the blind can see. Kindness. You don't have to say it. People know when it's there. They know when it's being exhibited. Kindness is... Is, is more than just loving people. Kindness is loving people more than they deserve. That's the grace of God. That's grace in action. So as you look with me in 2 Samuel chapter 9, we read, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba at your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Ameliel in Lodibar. So King David had him brought from Lodibar, from the house of Mekir, son of Amaliel. When Meshivapheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Meshivapheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness. For the sake of your father Jonathan, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Meshibopheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? The king summoned Ziba and Saul's steward and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and to bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Meshivapheth, the grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Meshivapheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Meshivapheth had a son. His name was Mica. And all the members of Ziba's house were servants of Meshivapheth. And Meshivapheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Father, we come to you and we come to you like Meshivapheth. We are broken. We are in need of grace from you. Teach us through this story of your kindness as we watch David exhibit that kindness Jonathan's son, we pray in your holy name. Amen. You come to the story of David, and when you reach this point in 2 Samuel, David is at rest from all of his enemies. He's got everything under control. It's all over with but to clean up. He's now putting people in place that will take care of what he has conquered. But he doesn't have really any enemies to worry about at this point. The kingdom is established, and he is putting in capable leaders. If you look at chapter 8, verse 16, or we'll start at 14, uh, he put garrisons through Edom, and all the Edomites became subject to David. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. 15 of chapter 8 says David reigned over all of Israel. Get that, all of Israel, doing what was just and right for his people. Joab, son of Zeruliah, was over the army Jehoshaphat son of Ahilhud was recorder. Zadok son of Ati, Ahitub was uh, and uh, uh, Mil- a Am- ah, son of Abithar were priests. Syria was secretary. Benaniah son of Jehoiada was the Kerithites and Pelathites. And David's sons were priests. He put capable people over all the areas to take care of the kingdom for him. He no longer was the warrior king. He now was the king in residence. He lived in Jerusalem, and everything was okay, and there weren't any battles. David knows, though, that all of this, the peace that he now had, was a result of God's grace and God's blessing in his life. While enjoying God's goodness, he thought Jonathan was a good friend. You look at 9.1, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul who I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He remembers what Jonathan did for him. If you remember the story in, in 1 Samuel chapter 20, he uh, made a compact with Jonathan, a covenant with him. In Samuel, 1 Samuel twenty fifteen through 17, you read parts that say this. Jonathan said, do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth, which is what happened in Second Samuel. So it says, Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. It was also a promise David had made to Saul when he spared his life in 1 Samuel 24. Now swear to me, by the Lord, you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. He didn't purposely try to do that. Saul and Jonathan both, though, died in battle with the Philistines, as you remember. So that meant, if you will, that David did not have to be accountable to anybody. The two people who he had given his oath to, Jonathan and Saul, were now dead. No one would hold the king accountable if he did nothing. But yet, that's not what he did. He held himself accountable. He took steps to find out if anyone was left of Saul's household. He has only one reason for this, to show kindness. That was the only reason. He didn't have to, but he did it out of kindness. He stated very clearly, in fact, that he had three reasons that he wanted to do that. When you look at verse 1, when he questioned the people in the court, to whom I shall show kindness or can show kindness. To Ziba, Saul's former servant, in verse 3, he says, to whom I show kindness, God's kindness. And finally, to Meshibopheth, in verse 7, I will surely show you kindness. He stated it three different times. This was his reasoning. This is what he wanted to do. David determined in his spirit to show kindness. It was an act of will. That's very important. Kindness is an act of will. It is not an attitude. It is not a character that you have. Like, well, you know, they're a kind person and they're not. It's an act of will. This is the same David who would slew his enemies if they were before him. He had aggression if it was necessary. But in this case, he chose by an act of will to show kindness. It was a promise that he had made to keep. No one was going to come after him, but he was a man of integrity and show. so he was going to do that. In fact, David was likely touched by God's kindness in his own life because he said to Ziva he wanted to show God's kindness he understood what kindness was and don't you and I understand what kindness is from the grace of God don't we understand kindness as God's children I would think so can I get an amen do you feel the kindness of God in your life do you feel God's grace upon your life if you feel God's grace should we not in turn be kind to other people I think that's given I would assume it is if God is kind and we are to be like him then we should be kind but it calls for an act of will we must be willing to do it and stand up and be people of integrity he said God has been good to me and I want to share his blessings with Saul's house so let's start with just two major points or just two big ones and then two subpoints that we will follow up later one initiate kindness Initiate kindness. I chose that word specifically because uh, we usually don't initiate acts of kindness, quite frankly. As humans, what we do is respond when people are nice to us. If you're nice to me, I'm nice to you. But it doesn't necessarily flow in human uh, thoughts that I always try to initiate that kind of kindness. We do it as a response. And yet David here initiates that kindness he was determined that it flow out of the kindness of god that he had received because he had been blessed he wanted to bless saul's household such an act was actually quite exceptional in david's time you know they would normally kill all of the people of the house so there would never be any chance of someone saying i'm really the king and so if i kill all the former king's people nobody can stand up and say i have a right to be king before you so it wouldn't have been unusual for something like that to happen. We learn in, in, in 2 Samuel 4:4, 4, 4, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son, was lame with both feet. He was five years old, and when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, his nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled, and his name was Meshibapheth. She heard what had happened and tried to protect him. She knew what might happen, but in the midst of that protection, she broke his legs, and he became crippled. Didn't have the kind of care you and I would have. Didn't have pins that could put in people's legs. Didn't have the kind of health care and medicine that you and I have. And now he would be lame the rest of his life. He was crippled. Living in obscurity, probably living in poverty. Uh, he had no one to provide for him. He was in a place, a remote place, called Lodibar. I like that, Bar. I just, just like the sound of it. It's distant. It was east of Jordan near the edge of Israel's border. He's not just lame, he's lame in both feet. When you look at him, you see he has no opportunity to really work for himself. He's totally dependent upon other people. There was nothing that he, as a man, could offer David. I can't go and fight for David. Uh, I can't bring things for David. I can't work in the field for David. I can do nothing physically that David needs done. He couldn't offer David anything. He couldn't benefit him in any way. And that's why Meshibopheth said to David, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Chapter 9, verse 8. What a way to talk about yourself, right? Not just a dog, but a dead dog. To call himself a dog would have been repulsive enough, according to Jewish law. But to call himself a dead dog was to be unclean, unapproachable, and quite useless. It was contemptible. You and I see dead animals by the side of the road all the time, right? Imagine that dead animal and imagining yourself like that dead animal. You are useless, you are worthless, you're contemptible. No one wants to look at you Or see you. That's how he described himself. He had no self-image of worth. He realized who he was, and apparently he was afraid. David looks at him in, in chapter 9, verse 7, and says, what? Don't be afraid. I'm sure he was quaking where he was. Don't you think? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, from Lodibar, he was called before the king. Can you imagine what he might think? He's called me to kill me. He's called me to call me to account for Saul, my grandfather. I know he loved Jonathan, but, but I'm still in Saul's family. What might he do to me? And so he felt this fear, and I think it was obvious when he said, Don't be afraid to him. Why would you even want me here? Is what Meshibapheth was saying. Why, why have you called me? I have no value to you whatsoever. David said something that stunned Meshibapheth. Three things, actually, David had plans to do for him. Number one, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. Number two, you will stay here with me and will always eat at my table, 9-7. And the third one, which was most amazing, and David also instructed Ziba in 9-9 to get his sons, 15 servants and 15 and 20 servants, and to farm the land to provide Meshibapheth to make sure he had the crops that he needed. Just think to give to him, to give to Meshibapheth, he's thinking to give to me all that was good enough number one, I mean to restore all the lands, wouldn't that be good enough? Surely that's enough to get all that Saul had conquered would be tremendous but that was not all he did was very good secondly he said you will stay with me and as we read earlier he would be like one of his sons there at the table of the king i read something a long time ago that that said isn't it interesting that mishibbeth would be at the king's table there at the king's table with all the cloth that may have covered the table what did that cloth do it covered mishibbeth And his broken legs would have looked like no one else's because no one could see them. He would appear to be just like everyone else. And that's the grace that he did. But he didn't stop there. Thirdly, he gave him and prepared for all of his needs. David didn't offer a token gesture, did he? It wasn't just a token. It wasn't just a little bit. It was extravagant. It was over the top. He, he did more than anybody would ever expect him to do. You know, he, he could have given him a, a sum of money. He could have given him a little plot of land somewhere. He, he could have given him a wife to take care of him. He could have done any number of things, but he did all of this to show his kindness. It's too much. It's overly generous. And yet, it was clearly an act of grace. David had experienced, had he not, the grace of God. Had God not forgiven him at points in his life? And here at this point, he is exercising that grace and, in essence, trying to repay what he could. Even though the man did not deserve it, he gave it. That is the kindness of God. We can identify with Meshibbeth here. We receive from God that which we do not deserve, we cannot earn, and we can never repay. And that's exactly what Meshibbeth got. That's what you and I get from God God's grace, not earned. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We certainly can't repay it. And yet, that's what God gives over extravagant. You know what the Bible says? Press down, flowing over. I give you life and what? More abundantly? Those passages come to our mind and we begin to think of all that God offers us. It's amazing what he does for us. And this story is one again that I love from the Old Testament because it speaks of the grace of God and the kindness that he has for us. And that kindness transforms Meshibapheth found grace that day, or rather, grace found him, right? It called him. Isn't that what God does to us? He calls us from our bar, doesn't he? We don't look for God, the Bible says. No one seeks after God. God seeks after us. He pursues us. And he draws us into his world and into the kingdom of light. He comes to us when we cannot go to him. And that's what happened to Meshibapheth. He didn't seek the king. The king sought him out. He was a nobody, but now he had become a somebody in David's household. Now he would eat at the king's table. And and, and this is not just an occasional bonus. Hey, you know, come over once a month and we'll put on the feedback. But what did he say? From now on, every day. It was a perpetual thing. It was a pension, if you will, from the king. And isn't that what God does for us? Does he bless us occasionally? Or do we have blessings every day because he lives in us? Unbelievable what God does for us. And this story is another sign of what he does. For the rest of his life, he would always eat at the king's table. How long is eternal life? Forever? Isn't that what eternal means? Sometimes I think we look over that word. We we say it quickly and we move over it. But eternal life is just that, forever. You have been given the grace of God for how long? Forever. From now and forever. From that point in time that you came to know him as Savior and Lord throughout all eternity. You have the grace of God and you will always sit at the king's table. Just like Meshivapheth. He had been an outcast. And now... He was family. Isn't that what happened to us? We were despised. We were outcasts. And yet now we are adopted. We are sons and daughters of God. We are brought into the family of God. You look at verse uh, 7. David says to him, You will always eat at my table. Verse 10, he instructs Ziba, Meshibbeth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Verse 11, he confirms, so Meshibbeth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. <laughs> I tell you, I love the story because it is us. I hope you see yourself as Meshibbeth. I think finally, uh, if we did not get the message right, the, the, the author writes one more time in verse 13, he always ate at the king's table. Do you get the point? It's underscored. It's not just in passing. It's hit over and over again, and he was crippled in both feet, it said. That's what amazed everybody as they read this story. Again, he can do nothing for the king, and the king treated him as one of his sons when he didn't have to. The emphasis, I believe, is deliberate. Meshemapheth is blessed by the king's kindness, and he always if you don't overlook it, has the king's ear. He was there at the table with the king, hearing what the king heard, able to speak to the king any day he wanted to because he was eating with the king and his sons, enjoying every meal. You and I are eternally in the presence of God. We have the ability to speak with him when? Whenever. Do we only get once a year a rope tied around to us and we're thrust into the Holy of Holies and get one shot to speak to God? No. I can drop anywhere and pray. I can pray in the car. I do a lot. (laughs) I can pray at night. I can pray in the morning. I can pray here at church. I can pray outside of church. I can pray anywhere, and God hears me. God responds to me. As we said this morning, he is the always God, the God that speaks to you. Meshivapheth was at the king's table. We are all Meshivapheth before God. We are crippled by sin. We are dead dogs with nothing to offer except our filthiness. That's what the Bible says. Our righteousness is what? Filthy rags before God. Meshivapheth understood who he was, and we should too. But, not a great word, nevertheless, the Lord came to look for us and he brought us back. He bought us with his life. Jesus did. We are ushered into his kingdom and now have fellowship with him every day. What a great kindness he shows us. The kindness of God transforms us. The grace of God changes us. How can we not be grateful? How can we not honor him in all that we do, in all that we say? How can we not treat each other with kindness? If he did, then we should. If we do not, we do not honor God. Can I say that again? If we do not treat each other with kindness, we do not honor God. Because he treated us with kindness. A pastor, Richard Azell, from a generation ago tells a story that his father was a shoe salesman and they had a a family shoe shop and so his dad had to go and you know on trips to buy shoes and to sell shoes uh and and uh, they'd sell them in other stores and they'd buy them and at conferences and things like that one night on an overnight trip uh he he would take someone one time he'd take a children or maybe his wife and this this time he taught took one of the workers that was in the shoe shop who knew the, uh, the construction of shoes and how they needed to be made. He, he knew shoes. But he was an African American, and it was not a time and day when they were looked upon as well. One night on an overnight trip, he said his dad went to go to a hotel. As they went to the hotel, he walked to the front desk, and he said, we need some rooms. And the clerk looked over at him and his companion. He says, I have room for you, but I don't have room for him. Racial discrimination was very prevalent at the time. And so his father said, if he can't stay, I won't stay. And so they walked out into the parking lot to the van where their stuff was. And he said, we'll sleep in the van. And and uh, Willie was the name of the gentleman who was a worker, said, Mr. Azell there's no reason for you to sleep out here in the van. You can have a room. He said, if they won't take you, then they're not going to take me. You are like family to me. And they both slept in the van that night. When Mr. Azell died, Willie came to his son. And he related the story. And he said that his dad's words changed His life, Willie did. For years, he had thought of himself as a second-class citizen, a second-rate person. But when his dad said to Willie, you are like family to me, it raised his self-esteem and his dignity. David's kindness changed Meshibapheth's life drastically, dramatically. You can say God's kindness showed through David and changed Mephibosheth's life. The world treasures those who are beautiful, who are capable, who are skillful. They they lavish treasures on those people. We look to high achievers. We look for things that are called key performance indicators. Sometimes in work situations they're called KPIs. And what's this person's KPI? What's their key performance indicator? Can they do something for me and my company? How do you add value to me? Is what we say of these people. And we look for those people in businesses to add to the business. I wonder what anyone would have said of Meshibapheth, crippled in both feet. How would they have looked at him as of value in our society? He couldn't even come to the king without help. He had to be brought. I think David affirms his dignity. At first, I thought of saying David restores his dignity, but on second thought, I find that incorrect. He didn't restore his dignity as if he did not have any. He affirms his dignity. Everyone has dignity. Everyone has value. We are precious in the eyes of God, aren't we? Aren't we all? For God so what? Loved the world. We're precious in his sight. We're valuable. We are dignified by God's looking at this world and loving this world and showing kindness by sending his son to this world. I read a story of a French prime minister who went to a hospital for a major operation and he was uh, approached by the eminent surgeon who would do the surgery on the French prime minister and because of the way that he thought The prime minister said, You will not, of course, treat me in the same manner as you would treat those poor, ordinary peasants at the hospital. Sir, the surgeon replied, Every one of those poor and ordinary people, as your eminence is pleased to call them, is a prime minister in my eyes. They have value, they're worth something. That's probably why God wants this story to be placed in the scripture to teach us the value of people and his grace, that they're important. First, I think, every life matters. Every life is made in the image of God and his precious. Aren't we made in the image of God? Didn't God create us in his image? Then we have value. Our souls and our spirits have value. It has nothing to do with our looks, our capabilities, our intelligence, or our achievement. We have value because God values us. Secondly, every life needs to be touched by God's kindness. What David did was an expression of kindness, of what God did for him. He brought him from a pasture to a palace. Think about that. From the pasture to the palace, David was raised up from being a shepherd to being a king. God is good and kind. I think David would say amen. He certainly did when he wrote the Psalms. God is good and kind, and we are to be like him. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? It should be who we are. Matthew five sixteen says this, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Reverend Ira Galay was a missionary to Portuguese East Africa, and he tells a story of a group of natives who made a long journey uh, to uh, walk to a hospital that they had. And as they walked to the hospital, they would pass the government facility that was provided for everyone in the nation. <laughs> they had <laughs> government health care, but they passed it by to get to the missionary's hospital. And when they got there, they said, why, why do you pass by the government hospital? They have the same medicine that we do to which the natives said, the medicines may be the same, but the hands are different. Kindness is what it's about. Can people see the difference in us? If God has been good to us, and he has, then I would like to echo any words that David said. Is there anyone to whom we... Can show God's kindness to this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and ask you to help us to be kind people, to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in kindness, to reflect the grace that you have exhibited to us, and to speak kindly to the people around us. Lord, we live in a world that is not kind, it is mean and aggressive. And yet you expect different from us. David was under no no pressure from anyone to be kind to Meshibbeth. And yet he had made a promise. Haven't we made a promise to follow you? Haven't we promised to be like Jesus? Help us to show kindness. Break our hearts when we don't. And teach us how to be kind people. I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.